Welcome back to At The Buzzer, a Colorado Buffaloes podcast. We're talking about everything that goes on with the Buffs. Um, and we are, of course, an extension and appendage of Ralphie Report, your source for all Colorado news and notes and everything in between. I am Jack Barsh, one of the co-hosts. Over there is <clears throat> finally, once again, um, our foreign correspondent, Sam. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Uh, the, the weather is warming up in Copenhagen, so that's nice. And in Colorado. My brother's about to, my brother's about to visit and then go home to Colorado. So <laughs> if you see him on the streets. And how would I recognize him? Because he looks like my brother. <laughs> so easy that way. Um, yeah. Well, we are coming in hot uh, on the heels of you know, for all intents and purposes, a historic win that was at, at the artist formerly known as the Coors Event Center. CU played their last home game of the 2021-2022 season, and it was an absolute barn burner, um, you know, that was following a barn burner of a different variety. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about everything with this team, what they have in front of them, what's next. And of course, the impact of our intrepid seniors that are departing um, after a fantastic senior day. And then we'll zoom out, just look at the rest of the conference as a whole as this basketball season wraps up, um, heading into the NCAA tournament, who's hot, who's not, all team, all first team Pac-12, what to watch out for, um, and maybe a little bit of gambling stuff. We'll see. Um, um, speaking speaking of barn burning, have you seen Burning the Korean movie? No. Oh, you should watch it. Add it to your list. I saw that some other movie on HBO Max, it's like a Best Picture nominee, just got added called Drive My Car. Oh, I want to watch that. And that's by directed by uh, I don't know the director. Nor do I. Japanese movie. It's a Japanese drama. Yes. So but that's different director. You should watch Burning. It's very okay. good. Okay. It's um, inspired by a, a Haruki Murakami short story, but the short story is absolute pot trash. I don't know garbage. who that is. Oh, he's it's one of my favorite authors. Fun okay. fact. Okay. Well, I will not seek out the work. Sorry to say, but I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will just plod right along the segue into um, the, the last few games for the CU basketball team. Uh, I'm going to continue to hold off on talking about the great win. So let's start by talking about what happened the Thursday before, the travesty known as the Arizona State game in Boulder. I was hoping we wouldn't, I was hoping we wouldn't talk about that at all. No, we have uh, to. It's part of the story. I, I I didn't watch that game because I saw the score and thought, I don't think I have to watch this. And so I didn't. I heard it was bad. Uh, it was I awful. I heard CU got outplayed pretty much ep- yep. up and down the floor, every part of the floor. Yep. Uh, and then Tad said something like, we have a lot of guys who need to make shots to have energy, and we didn't make any shots today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he talked about that a few times with his team. He also just called it pathetic. He said it was one of the worst games he's seen. You know, he was very upset, rightfully so. 
Look, CU lost by 17. Am I doing math right? 17 to an 11. What is that? I don't, it doesn't Okay, to a team that's 11 and 16. And let me check oh, yeah, the conference so, yeah. record. 8 and 10 in conference. And this is a team yeah. that CU has dominated under Bobby Hurley for the most part. Like, this is not a very good Arizona State team. And they came in and punked. No. They're CU. super weird, though. They are super weird this year. Hot and cold. As we've noticed, they only beat good teams in weird games. I don't understand what's up. But um, yeah, that sucks. We should have won. We should have 20 wins. Well, and a so, lot of momentum. Yeah. That would have been seven wins in a row, right? Yes, that would have been a seven. That would have been a huge win streak heading into a huge showdown with number two Arizona coming into town. Um, and the, the worst part about this game to me is that the way they lost, it wasn't like Arizona State came in here and just had a freak shooting night from behind the arc. No, they dominated the paint. You know, see, uh, they shot well behind the arc. They were 50% from three on 17 attempts. But they also just punked CU inside, you know. They, uh, 35 rebounds to 25 rebounds, Arizona State's favor. They have no one that should realistically out-rebound CU's front court. And yet they did. CU had 14 turnovers. Um, it, it was just a mess. Like like Ted mentioned, not a lot of energy for the team. They were really lack of days old Cole. With a huge opportunity in front of them, I think if you beat Arizona State, you're talking about a win against Arizona, potentially knocking them into the bubble. Um, but all of that goes out the window when you lose to a team that you really shouldn't lose to at home by a lot. So terrible loss, terrible loss. Um, and Tad really challenged the team. To step it up, by all accounts, the film session the day after was not a pretty one. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys getting uh, directly challenged. And uh, I guess I'll start, set the scene with a pretty mild scene set of a, a huge change in the starting lineup. Julian Hammond, the third guard, was starting against the number two team in the country. Um, in the yeah, do you know why? Saturday. I was about to ask. Yes, Dad just said he didn't like the energy. He wanted to challenge Keyshawn and KJ to be better. And he, he the only mm. guy he said after film session that he thought deserved a start. Well, he, this is paraphrasing, but Julian Hammond, he said, looked good. And he wanted Julian Hammond to start. He said it wasn't a knock necessarily against Keyshawn or KJ, but he just liked what Julian brought. Okay. That's I mean, I, I get it. Um, I would also say if it's an energy thing, I don't think KJ needs uh, motivation against Arizona. He balled the fuck out the last time they played. Yep. He also said that KJ pref- told him he prefers to come off the bench right now. So. Oh, I like that mentality. A yeah, lot isn't that fun? I like him a lot. Yes, that's so. Set the scene after that horrific display. A bunch of good news happened with Colorado Event Center. Uh, you know, mask mandates were dropped, I believe, in Boulder County right before this game, which makes it a bit easier for people to attend. You know, good news COVID-wise around the state. Um, and this game sold out. So it was standing room open. Only 11,000 poured in to a Saturday night showdown. ESPN was in the house, um, as was Barstool Storm Chasers after being rejected from Arkansas. Um, so a lot of hype around this game. Julian Hammond starts, and Sam, did you get to watch? Did you get to watch it live or no? No, uh, it was Damn. way too late. Uh, but I saw the 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 full highlights. I saw the twenty four minute highlights. Thank <laughs> Matthew you, Matthew loves loves ball. Oh, Best YouTube yeah. channel in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. 
um, yes. Matthew, you should uh, do the Colorado Oregon State highlights too. I need to see those D tier level. <laughs> games. We will do ad reads for you, Matthew. Whenever you love ball, we will absolutely do that. Um, so you know, let's stop dancing around it. This is senior night. We had four seniors honored. Only two scholarship seniors: Eli Parquet, who is out for the year. Um, we obviously know what he brings to the team. And then the other scholarship senior, the man who made everyone cry, including me, um, Evan Batty, took the took the floor before the game and was bawling like a baby with his dad and made Tad cry. Um, it was an emotional night, as it always has been. I think the only other senior – I mean, it was hard last year because we didn't get to do McKinley's senior night. Um, but the only other senior I remember that made me feel that emotional is two – is Josh Batty or Josh Batty, Josh Scott. Uh, Josh Scott's senior night also against Arizona State was brutal. And then Sefu Lufau against Utah was also that whole senior class. That was also made me tear up. Um, but I didn't yeah. even process that game as senior night against Utah. That's so much on the line that I didn't even think. Yeah, I showed up otherwise. before, and it was it was just really – it was night. I mean, that whole night was perfect, but, you know, you see all the football team, and it's like everyone who's just balled out all year, and they're all the same class, and they all get to be celebrated together. It was great. Um, I love that team so much. Right. So, so complete opposite of that, when that felt like a senior class being honored, this was a senior man being honored. Evan Batty, obviously, so important to the community, so important to this team. Um, there's a lot of great content being put out about him and, uh, right off the rip, uh, it was not pretty. See, you missed the first 10 shots first. I think mm-hmm. actually 11 shots, um, and almost, almost patent themselves, which means no points in the first 16 minutes, but, uh, or first four minutes, excuse <laughs> me, first four minutes, my bad to the under 16 timeout. <clears throat> Um, it was not a pretty game to start. Eight to Arizona, I believe, was the was the score with 15 minutes left before CU really kicked in gear. And I'm, I'm just trying to segue into your thoughts. Oh yeah, I mean, um, what I noticed first off was like the slow start, obviously, and then Jabari Walker just carrying the offense in the yep. first half. Yep, he's just like, all right, guys, everybody's kind of shitty, so I'm just gonna <laughs> get mine, uh, get into the paint, get some. Oh, he didn't even shoot that many free throws. I was going to say draw some fouls, but he didn't really. He did. Um, he, drew, he drew a foul at the beginning, but no one – I mean, nothing else was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he was going hard in the paint and, like, finishing, like, not – it was no big deal. And that's a pretty big deal considering Christian Coloco is their center. Uh, we'll talk more about him a little later uh, when we do Pac-12 awards. Um, yep. But he's probably the defense player of the year. He's averaging three blocks a game. And he's fucking big. Like, he might be a first-round pick. Um, and then Omar Balo off the bench is also a pretty big guy. Yep. Um, so, I'm, like, he's going right at them and finishing. And just really – I just love the energy he's always brought, like, just attacking the rim like that um, and grabbing every rebound he can. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the defensive performance was fantastic. Arizona ended up finishing with the, the second-least – points they've scored all season so yeah i i we talked about the asu game i tried to talk about that first just to show you in stark contrast at least even if the shots were falling you could tell this game from the jump like CU was going to bring it they were flying at mm-hmm. everything every switch on defense was so impossibly fast like everyone was closing out really hard 
there was no easy buckets for Arizona. Like the intensity was unbelievable. Um, it was, I mean, it was classic. It was exactly what you expect when Taz trying to fight a big team is like, is that team was raring to go. So even when the shots weren't falling, like these dudes were going hard. Um, and it's even more impressive that the whole game plan was to attack the inside. Arizona's a top five defense when it comes to two point percentage um, in the paint. Mm -hmm. Like they are really hard to score on in the paint. And you could tell that the whole, the whole game plan was to still attack constantly. Do not get discouraged. We need to make sure they're off the game. Um, And when the shots were falling, we still drew fouls and we roughed them up a little bit. It was, Encouraging, especially when the shots did start falling. So um, I'm trying to remember. KJ missed a dunk. I do remember that, which added to the 11 consecutive misses. And I think it was a Keyshawn mm-hmm. Bartholomew layup that finally broke the seal um, against Arizona. And then really from there, it was just constant rim attacks that ended up working in CU's favor. Um, so Did CU even make a three in the first half? I believe there was one made three. Um, so let's talk about the, I mean, overall there's, they only made four in the game, um, for a, yeah, I'm pretty sure three of those were in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to remember who would have made it. KJ was in the second, I think it was in the first, whatever. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, I love, love obviously interior shooting. I love post play. There's a lot of that. CU fought really hard to make it a low-scoring half. Arizona is still up at half by five. It was 37-32. But you could tell that it was not going to be a second half where Arizona, like, separates, which they've done often this year. Um, They really weren't getting what they expected to. And, I mean, Benedict, I think, was held really low in the the first half scoring-wise. So, Benedict McDermott, their best player. I don't know. It was – uh, was it scheme-wise or was it individual defense? Do you recall? Because Matthew so, loves ball doesn't really show missed shots that <laughs> often. <laughs> it was a lot of hard switches. Uh, I know he was on – because KJ still played a lot of minutes even though Hammond started. Nick was in foul trouble. Nick Clifford was in foul trouble almost all game, so it wasn't Clifford. I think it was a swap between Bartholomew, Walker, and uh, – uh, Simpson for a few, for a long time, and Luke O'Brien also played some minutes. But oh wow, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I wouldn't have thought any of them could match up with him one on one. But a hard switching that would make more sense. But um, yeah, uh, so so defense kept it close. Jabari carried the offense, and yep. then how would you describe the second half? I would describe it as. Probably the best half of basketball I've ever seen in that building. Oh, I, I that's what I would say. I'm trying to think of better ones, but just because of the moment, and you know, see number yeah. two in the country, Arizona's number two in the country. Remember that, like, they yeah. are really, okay. really good. Context, um, yes, context matters. The first thing I think of is, um, I think like the McKinley Wright Tyler Bay buffs, um. Just fucking like they shit housed Oregon in the I first half that when they yes. had Peyton yeah. Pritchard, and they were winning by like twenty five yeah. or something. In and the just Sean hit like three threes. Yeah, yeah, that's the best half of basketball I've seen in that building. And yeah, but I, yeah, I, it, I mean, it was just a fucking delight to watch. Excuse my language. It was just unbelievable. Like I don't know. 
uh, with all the emotion still, Evan Batty started heating up a little bit on offense and taking more of a charge on defense. Um, like you said, Jabari Walker continued his assault on the boards. There was a few rebounds he got. I'm trying to think of the one. There was one where he put up a shot. There was three guys around him, and he still grabbed the board, shoveled it off mm-hmm. for an easy interior pass, nice layup. Um, and then, of course, the famous rebound. Now I would consider it famous where Evan Batty just grabs the ball. There's three guys on him, like around his neck, trying to grab the ball for a jump. They end up calling a jump and they're all trying to like jump and chest him up. And he's just smiling while holding the ball with both. Like they can't get to it. Yeah. Well, they were all, they were all trying to rip the ball from him just to intimidate him. And he he just held onto it the whole time smiling. Yeah. And he can't, it was, I mean, it was so fun to watch. Um, and I'm, I'm still, once again, trying to hide who I'm going to highlight at the end. KJ Simpson came absolutely yeah. alive. Um, there's a, I mean, his energy is still fantastic. There's that loose ball sequence where everyone's diving on the ground. He ends up with it. They forget to cover him. He just splashes the three. He had a nice um, before, before you get to him, I want to spoil it, is that I love Tristan De Silva's drive okay. so much. All right. He went crazy. I'm not going to let you... I, I'm not going to let you <laughs> hide this. I love him so much. And he is so awkward and his legs are so long. Like you forget he's six foot 10. Like yeah. he is the biggest player on the team right now. I mean, those that are some of the prettiest out. drives. I, I love watching his stupid, uh, they always fall for the pump fake, which I find hilarious. And then he'll take one herky-jerky dribble. He'll take another left-handed dribble. And then he'll just do a bunch of weird angles and just end up with a wide-open layup. And you're like, how did you even get – I don't understand how you got there. I don't get it. You can't really – you can't guard those either. No. Like, there's nothing you can do if someone's just super weird and moves like no one you've ever played against. There's so I would, nothing you yeah, can do. I would implore everyone look up the highlights for this game. There's another one that's fantastic. Dalen Terry – one of the best defensive weapons in the conference. He's just super long, super quick, um, is on Tristan De Silva. And Tristan De Silva essentially backs him down to where Terry kind of forgets where he is. And I don't know, do you remember this highlight where De Silva basically just rotates around the basket from the right side to the left side, keeping Terry mm-hmm. on his ass the whole time. So then, and then he just picks the ball up and he realizes it's a wide open layup. So he just takes it. And it was, the, it was like the prettiest thing. It was, I mean, I'm sure Tad is just like losing his mind about how much he likes that inside-out play. Um, but Tristan De Silva ended up the leading scorer for CU because of the second half. Leading scorer in the game, 19 points, almost all of them on these ridiculous herky-jerky drives, beautiful cuts. He had a nice pull-up three. I don't know. He look, I mean, looked like Oscar. He looked better than Oscar in the second half. He was an unbelievable weapon on offense. Um, and he just loved to see it. Different, I don't know. Different players. Beautiful. Different players. You can't compare them. I, I don't know. I don't know if they were that different. That looked like traditional Oscar post play. I think Tristan's more perimeter focused, but those are the type of layups that just Oscar had where you're just like, okay, how did he get that? Like, why is he that open? You know, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think my, I think my perception of Oscar De Silva is that he was just so technical. Like he just made shots, you know? How like, is that different than what like, we're there's... describing? No. Okay. So Tristan has like a very distinct style. And I think I didn't watch enough Oscar da Silva, but it seemed like Oscar da Silva was more, he would do normal moves and just make his shot every time. Oh, okay. In a, in a weird way. Josh like, I don't, like, like, or yeah, if you watch like Malcolm Brogdon, he doesn't wear any accessories, no wristbands, no nothing, no leg sleeves. He just wears shorts in his jersey and he has no moves. He just plays basketball and makes shots. And it's just so strange to watch that guy play. 
Okay. Um, well, regardless, De Silva came alive. <laughs> oh, you don't want to take the bait talking about? Okay. No, I don't. I want to focus on this game. <laughs> uh, Keyshawn also had 15 points off the bench, technically. Also came alive in the second half. His finishes are unbelievable. I do want to mention that one where he had on the baseline where he hung in the air for about five seconds. He was behind the basket and just reached his left arm for that little layup. Do you remember that? Where he gets knocked over, he's almost on the ground, Mm -hmm. and then he just hangs in the air for, like, ever and just has a little teardrop layup from a weird angle. Um, That guy has – I said – I think I tweeted the start of the game, but he has, like, the prettiest jumps I think I've ever – like, I've seen in a CE uniform. Like, for some reason, it's the way he jumps for his floaters or his layups. It's, like – he straightens his legs right after, and they look like he's just like floating. Wait, you know, we we talk about Keyshawn. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. I zoned out for a second and missed yes. the name. We're talking about of who you're referring to. Yes. Okay. Like, like yeah, I was thinking the same. He's like I was thinking the same. I I don't know who he reminds me of because he just moves in such like that 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 kind of a weird floaty way, where I don't really. I don't think I've like we've seen anybody on CU kind of no like not that on CU and what you're saying. Um, yeah, I love I love when he gets aggressive, as I've said every single time. Oh, he I mean he's found his role. I think I think now that he's playing a bit more off ball. Now that we can try, we said this the whole year. Now that KJ is getting trusted more and more to start with the ball, and Keyshawn can kind of roam, find his shot, be a secondary ball handler. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it, I, I think he's really really good in that role. Um, yeah, and he's not necessarily a natural facilitator, so it works. Like it covers his weakness and lets him play to his strengths yeah, better. Still a pretty good passer, but yeah. Um, and and is this well, uh, go ahead. before I forget? Before I forget to point this out because I forgot up until now. Is this close to your dream of a basketball team of like running their offense without any three pointers? This game was almost. It was. This is why I'm saying it's probably my favorite half ever. This is exactly okay. what I'm yelling about all the time. Like, it was just extremely hard defense. They see so you just played mm-hmm. really good defense all game. Like, there wasn't easy, any easy points. And then it's just, co- like, rim movement, post-offense, not relying on the three-point shot. And, I mean, the, it speaks for itself at the end. The, the points in the paint difference is how CU won this game. They had 54 points in the paint to Arizona's 26. Insane. 54 to 26. Insane. CU ends up winning this game by 16. It was 79 to 63. Number two team in the country, 79 to 63. Um, no, I, we should have prefaced this too, is that this was CU's highest ranked win ever, I think. Tied for the tied for They beat number two Oklahoma State in like 1994, 1992, yep. something like that. Yep. And as the Tads ranked win at home record, which is continually growing all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it ends up being a 16-point win, 79-63. Um, so you broke a press easily at the end, which is something I love to see. That did not happen earlier this year. Uh, and let's talk a little bit, I think, at the end. The uh, the scenes at the end were also tear-worthy. We got the whole team celebrating. Evan Batty rushing to the student section, beckoning them on the court as the game ends. I, I mean, come on. Like, that's so – he's just – He's just the best. He's just the best. He talked about afterwards why he did that. He said he missed the whole last year. There was no games with fans. So he wanted to make sure that everyone had a great time at this game because it's why he's there. And it's like just the coolest game, coolest thing ever. Fans stormed the court. Arizona leaves and in tribute to Sean Miller. They left the court before handshakes. 
for safety reasons, given how much he complains about Boulder and their court storming. Um, Tommy Lloyd did not. Unfortunately, Tommy Lloyd was a very uh, gracious man in his press conference, constantly praising Tad Boyle and CU. Yeah, I was uh, waiting. I was waiting to snipe Sean Miller. <laughs> Next okay, time well, I spoke, I, I was going to snipe them. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, they were not like that. But um, huge scene on the court. The traditional senior day speeches. We got to see all those beautiful pictures, Sam. I'm sure you saw them of Evan Batty standing on the scorer's mm-hmm. table, grabbing the mic and addressing the whole crowd. Um, I don't know. It's stuff that people have mentioned. You want that on the building somewhere. Like that is like an all time sports photo, at least a CU sports photo of just a guy who's like universally beloved campus figure, like addressing his constituents, like the Pope. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. I don't know. It was so great. Did you cry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because you've been saying this three years now that you're going to cry at Evan senior day. And well, and I did. did. Did you ever? Did you ever imagine it to be this perfect? I did because it's Evan. So, like, of course it is. Like, oh, okay. He You're willed right. that into. He willed that into existence. Um, do you do you, do you have a favorite Evan moment besides this? Before this, because absolutely clear. And you talk about yours after this, but my, I'll talk about mine. I was at in attendance for this one as well. Um, it's going to be the Stanford game against Oscar De Silva, who showed up before. Okay. Where Evan Batty, they both went up for the layup. Evan Batty contested. Elbow landed on his head as they were going down. And Oscar De Silva was mm-hmm. knocked out. We all remember this. It was in the first half. Evan Batty is crying his eyes out because he thinks he just knocked a guy out. You know, doesn't look great. Or worse. Or worse. So Oscar De Silva eventually wakes up, but Evan Batty has to go in the locker room. His mom, I think, was in attendance and had to join him because he's inconsolable. Like, he's literally inconsolable because of how bad he feels. Um Game stops. Eventually, everybody comes back out. Both teams, Jared Hass and Tad Boyle, who both love each other. Obviously, they're both big fans of each other's attitudes. Um, bring both teams together. There's a team prayer midcourt, standing ovation from everyone. Both teams are just like shell shocked, but they both, you know, there's no bad blood. Evan's still crying. He cries the whole game. Um, and CU proceeds to win going away in the second half against a good Stanford team. And I remember I was in the student section. I remember Evan hit a three looking at the student section and you could like tears streaming down his face, just nailing a three, just like, st- I don't know. It's just the perfect Evan moment of like, he can never, he's so emotional. It's why he's so good at everything he does is he pours himself into it. And he's like, he's working for his team because he loves his teammates. And he's at the same time, he's just like constantly crying because of what he th- thought he did to Oscar who ends up being totally okay, obviously. But I just love that mm-hmm. moment of like, it's just the perfect encapsulation of he's still leading his team, still being exactly what he needs to be for his team. And yet, like, you know, worried sick about what he did to this guy in a to- totally normal basketball play. I don't know. I just, I just love that that game, that moment. It's, it's exactly why I love college sports. He's exactly why I love college sports. He obviously did it to represent the university. Um, and you can tell he loves CU more than like anyone. And that's why you love it. Mm-hmm. That's why I lo- attach myself to these players in the schools. Cause I loved my time there. He loved my, his time there even more. And it's, 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 I don't know. Retire the Jersey. Retire. I don't think, I don't think I've seen anybody, anybody embody the school as much as him. Um, not that I'm the biggest fan of CU as the school, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he he loves it so much, and he 
everyone knows who he is and he like if you ever if you're like a student and you're listening to this i think you're what maybe one of three listeners uh, <laughs> and we pay them all hands. if you say if, if you say hi to him he'll say hi to you he'll he'll give you that big smile like he means it because he he just loves just i think meeting people and well, i mean there for people here's another moment that wasn't highly publicized he was at the dark horse after the senior night game he just walked into the dark horse like who does that oh, that's not yeah. the college bar that's not your house part like he's just going there and of course everyone like gave you know clapped at him gave him standing ovation didn't let him pay for a thing and it's like what like he just understands it and we didn't even talk about the biggest bombshell wait 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 don't recruit don't report on ncaa violations okay well he didn't i didn't say he got anything i just said he did anyways regardless so um (laughs) i don't know i think he we're so lucky this has happened in this few years that we've been covering this but I think he and Phil Lindsay both are different encapsulations of exactly like when you're saying like, what should a Colorado Buffalo be? It's those two mm-hmm. guys to me. Like, obviously I love Seppo and I love McKinley. And it's the same thing. They have a lot of that, but for some reason, like those two to me, just like, I don't know. They just took hold of the university and it's exactly what I want. Like Phil's undersized, just throwing dudes around, like fighting for his teammates, invites his OL offensive line into his post game. And it's like, him and Evan so Batty great. are both just this these like perfect prototypes of when you are a CU athlete or when you're a Colorado Buffalo, period, here's who what here's what you should be. And I, I don't know, I love him. I just love him so much. Yeah, I would say with McKinley, it felt like he was more of a like a basketball player. Like that's his identity. He's he's what a CU basketball player should be. Yeah, yeah. He still yeah. loves the school, obviously, but it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he not it's not this quite the same. Doesn't feel the same. Yeah, and and, and then um, yeah. Uh, I mean, my favorite Evan moment is I wasn't there for the Stanford game. I think I was working, so I didn't even get to see it live on TV. Mm. Um, but it would be uh, his first year after he had his stroke, and he came back, and then it was against Dayton and the NIT, and then he gets fouled at the buzzer beater or at the buzzer. Oh yeah. And so he's taking his free throws and he's the only one on the court. And then yes. all the CU fans gave him a standing ovation and he was like crying during yep. it. Cause he couldn't, I just, I just, I love how like he gets so emotional and like, he can't contain it. It just makes me feel yeah. so much for him. That's a great moment. That's a great moment. I, I mean, and there's so many little moments too. That's the other thing. It's just always consistent. He celebrates every charge he took as like the best thing in the world. Every charge his teammates took as the best thing in the world. Like every time, I don't know. He just got, it's it's fantastic. Um, the final mic drop moment he had, which is another thing that no one ever does. But, you know, his last thing he said in his senior night speech and his fine, like his way to address the audience is, I will be back here as the head coach one day. And it's like, who says that? <laughs> who says that? I didn't know he said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then what did surprise you? In his interview, he just goes like, yeah, I'm, I want to play in Europe for a few years, but I'm not going to make it back. I want to make it back. Uh, yeah. And, and Tad has said, of course, there's a standing offer for him whenever he wants to come back and be the staff. 
I mean, it, it's also special. Ted loves all of his players, but it's special to see like how much he and Ted talks about. It. I would recommend looking at that video. Just how much like he learned from Evan. Just how much he loves him in general. I don't know. It's just so great. He's such a great story. It's exactly why you love college sports. It's why you love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from this game? Uh, I mean, another Arizona's two and seven in Boulder in, since CU's won the Pac-12, um, which is good to see. I'm definitely there for the Arizona wins. <laughs> yeah. At least yeah. suck. I hate those games. <laughs> yeah. 2014 and 15, I think, were the two. I'm trying to remember right. I mean, 2014 wasn't fair because I was right after Dinwiddie tore his ACL. So it was uh, Jerron Hopkins running the point. Um, yeah, I was there for that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, great. So win. Arizona now, they just beat USC. So they're, they are the Pac-12 champs. They're 26-3. and three. Do you know who their three losses were? Besides Arizona, uh, CU, yep. uh, Gonzaga? No. They didn't play Gonzaga. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's someone big in the non-con. Is it Baylor? Mm-mm. Do I want me to tell you? Yes. I'll give you a hint. Uh, okay. We also lost to them. Tennessee. Yep. Okay. On the road. Uh, in overtime, Very right? close game. Uh, I don't think so. Um, and then... The other one? UCLA? Yep, on the road. Uh, a great team. Those were some good losses. The, they uh, they also beat UCLA. They beat USC. They beat USC again. And they are probably going to get a number one seed if they finish out the regular season. Um, if they make it to the Pac-12 championship, they'll probably get a number one seed, even if they lose. Uh, but... Well, yeah, because everyone else lost in the same day they lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the thing we didn't even talk about. The seven <laughs> top ten teams lost on Saturday. So CU didn't even get any attention because all the other top teams also fucked up. Yeah. Uh, CU was definitely the worst team to have won that day. Yes. I think it was the biggest spread differential. It was, they, Arizona was a nine-and-a-half point favorite. CU won by 16. Ooh, that's nice. Um, any other... Wait, so so we have three for sure Pac-12 teams in the NCAA tournament in order of standings that would be Arizona, USC, UCLA. Yeah. And then Oregon is on the bubble, even though they have fewer wins than us. But better wins. I know. I'm just... <laughs> I know. Um, and heading into the Pac-12 tournament, we are all but surely locked into that five seed. That's not true. Unless... What? It's, it's a pretty easy uh, path to get that by. Okay, tell um, me. Okay, so right now we are fifth. Oregon is fourth. Oregon has yeah. two games left, both on the road, Washington and Wazoo, okay? Yeah, they, if they lose, lose if, No, if they lose one of those games and we beat Utah, we take the fourth seed due to tiebreakers, I believe. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're one and one. One and one against Oregon, and they have more wins against common opponents as us. I don't know if that's true. No, no, no. They they have more wins against the top teams in the Pac-12. They have three wins against the top three teams, and we have one. Mm, okay. Well, I guess we hopefully. I did prepare see. before this podcast. 
I don't know. I I still okay. Well, someone smarter than us needs to. Uh, but they they have to lose both, and we have to beat Utah to get the fourth seed. I believe. Um, I think it's just one which loss, I think, and we beat Utah. I think if they lose both, we don't have to even beat Utah. Am I just making stuff up? I don't feel like I, I think am. you're making stuff up. I don't think we have tiebreakers on Oregon. Okay. Well, regardless, uh, it's regardless. right Oregon and CU at the fourth and fifth. Not yeah. Oregon State, uh, as predicted by uh, the uh, media. Uh, <laughs> that would have been so funny if Oregon State had beaten USC. Yes. Oh my God, that would have been yeah. so hilarious. Um, yeah, so we're probably going to play Oregon State in the Pac-12 champ tournament. Not to overlook Utah, because I don't really... Like, we should beat Utah. They, they are not good. Um, I mean, maybe we don't, but we, we should beat them. I don't, yeah, I still think we should beat them. They're not a very good team. Um, but uh, we're pretty much locked into that five seed, so we'd be playing Oregon State, which does absolutely fucking nothing for our resume at all, and it yep. can only hurt us. Only so hurt. I'm not excited about that. And then if we win that, we would be playing uh, – Oregon, yeah. Yes, if it's reversed and we take the four seed, uh, we are by and then set up for the Arizona. Or who's next? Who would be next? Arizona, am I right? No, it'd be Oregon. Either way, either whether we're the five or the four, I guess it's true because we yeah. flop them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So it's either Oregon State and then Oregon, or nothing and then Oregon. Because Oregon's going to beat Oregon State, okay. and then we would go to to play Arizona if we beat Oregon. Right, and then if we beat Arizona, I think then we're in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Just kidding. I think we have to get to the Pac-12 championship game to be in the tournament. Yes. I think that's probably where we need to get to. Yeah, and even then, if we if we beat Arizona twice, people might be like, "Oh, that's just a bat. That's just a weird matchup." And then shake, the, dust it off, and put us in the NIT, <laughs> which is still a huge plus. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 pretty much locked into the NIT, I should say, unless we like shit the bet against Utah and then shit the bet against Oregon State. Yeah, I still think even if that happens, we get a five seed in the NIT. I was looking up uh, like nineteen twenty win Pac twelve teams that didn't make the NCAA tournament. And every single team got into the NIT, and almost all of them were one seeds in the NIT. One or one or three seeds usually. Um, so we're we're solid, solidly in that. Um, even if we haven't been on any of those like ESPN bubble watch articles. Um. Yeah. I well, because it would require another string of wins. But as you mentioned, the only loss in the seven last eight games, seven games for CU was that Arizona State game. So CU's coming in pretty hot um, to this conference tournament. If they can pull the win off against Utah, I just want to point out, as as Tad Boyle stands, uh, a win against Utah would be another 20-win regular season, um, Mm -hmm. which happened, I believe, four times before Tad Boyle got there, and it's happened seven times since, uh, if that happens. So just saying. Um, Does he have the most wins yet? In program history? No, it'll be pretty quick, though. Um, 
Sox Walseth, I believe, is still in charge, but he took uh, 20 years to get there. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So, anyways, um, be, first of all, need to beat Utah on the road. They are a talent-deficient team that has some pieces, but not too much. If you remember that disastrous first half against them at Boulder, they have a tall guy named Brandon Carlson that can mess us up um, if we're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be on my Pac-12 third team for a little teaser. Okay, well, let's, let's transition. Let's, let's get that all conference. Oh, oh okay. Uh, so we start with the Pac-12 third team? <laughs> no, I don't have enough bodies for that. I'll, I'll get there know, for the top it, it was hard. I don't know. It was hard to even think of a third team. Like, I was thinking about putting <laughs> Dale and Terry on the team because I, I was like, I, I don't fucking know. Um, okay. That's Do you have a player of the year? Uh, Who's I your preseason player I of the year? I think I want. Who was my preseason one? Yeah. I believe it was Johnny Juzang. I believe boring. it was. Mine was Jaime Jaquez, who has sucked this year. They both have been uh, not, not. Also, Jaquez is not his fault. Uh, he is fourth on the team in shooting behind Juzang. And Jules Bernard, who I hate watching play. Yeah. Uh, And then Tiger Campbell also is taking more shots than Jaime Jaquez, which is kind of weird. Uh, But yeah, I don't like Jules Bernard, and he's taking shots away from my guy. Every time I check a UCLA score, Jules Bernard, 2 of 10 shooting or worse. (laughs) Or if, if he has a good game, it's like 5 of 15 shooting. Yeah, I... uh. I, I was super high on Oregon before the year, so I think I might have put Will Richardson in as a uh, uh, flyer. Nope. 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 So no, postseason, he, I, I mean, is it Mathurin? For it me, it be. is. Yeah. It, it he, he's, he's the best player. Just straight up, he's the best player in the conference. And, like, nobody has tremendous stats. Like, I think McKinley Wright, if you had put his last season onto this year, I think he would have won. Um, yeah. Uh, and there is no Evan Mobley type season where it's just like, oh my god, this guy is insanely good. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's that, and I don't really know who else is a contender for that. Like the out, out of the good teams, UCLA, like their stars haven't been very good. As a like, I, I'm very. Lo- I don't think Johnny Juzang is that good. I think that his one skill I'm also is not a believer. Yeah, his one skill is making contested shots, which I think generally runs hot and cold. And it's just like when it runs hot, it's amazing to watch. And you're like, oh my God, who is this guy? But, and then uh, Oregon hasn't been like, Oregon hasn't been good enough. Well, Richardson has been too inconsistent. Yep. And then are you really going to give USC, like, are you, are you going to give Isaiah Mobley player of the year? Is he the best player that, in this no, conference? No, 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 not. Yeah, I think it kind of has to be Mathurin. You can make it a, a case that the highest overachievers are probably Washington. Um, and by extension, you cannot make a you cannot make a case for him. Please look up his like shooting numbers. He's shooting below. Someone's got to take the shots, dude. Someone's got to take. I the know. Shots. I know. Someone has to take the shots, but. He's still missing a lot. Like that's why his stats are so good is because nobody else can take any shots. 
Yeah, so I, I he's think, not even on I my first team. I think the third is slam dog. Arizona is obviously the best team in the conference, and he has to be the best player on that team. There you go. Um, yeah, so I think Mathurin is the, the, the number one guy. Um, I can round out. I can. We can probably go through what we're gonna do. Top five. The other four on the All Pac twelve team. Would want to do the ten. Uh, yeah, I was gonna go through other awards if you wanted to. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so, so I think player of the year is Mathurin and I could do my first team. I think I would also put, um, Isaiah Mobley on that list. I would put Will Richardson on that, on that first team on that top five. Um, and then I would have Christian Coloco, who was my defensive player of the year. And then I would put Jabari Walker on my first team. Okay, yeah, I think you have to have Walker. I think you have to have Coloco, Mathurin, and you said the other two names were who again? Sorry. Isaiah Mobley and Will Richardson. Okay. Yeah, I think that's your starting lineup. I like that. Yeah, Richardson, Richardson I'm a little squeamish about, but whatever. I don't know. He's been solid. He's, he's definitely grown into it. Um, and there's three, I think, slam dunks you have Mathurin, Coloco, and Mobley. You, you have to have those there. Yeah. Um, you could make a case, I guess, for legacy with like a Tiger Campbell. Um, but Hawk has not a very strong case. Um, all right. And so, Campbell has been a little down since last year. Yes, I agree. Um, and Walker has to be on there, leading rebounder in the conference. Amazing numbers. Walker has to be on there. Is that something around 15 and 10? Yeah. In conference play. He's had a crazy good season. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully he stays. Let's get that bench unit on the first team because Pac 12 does 10 first teamers like an idiot. Um, yes. I have a big caveat that Andre Kelly would be on this team, but he only played 10 games. But he got hurt. And Cal still did yeah. better than I expected. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love Andre Kelly. I am going to put Evan Batty on this team because I'm biased. I'm going to put Azuelis Tubelis because yeah, yeah. he is one of the he yeah. Um I'll put Jaime Jaquez on it because it's not yeah. his fault his teammates aren't passing. Also a legacy play. Also a legacy play. Terrell Brown because he has good raw stats. Yeah. I just can't put him first team. Okay. And then as much as I don't like this guy, he's been really good. Uh, Drew Peterson at USC. Wow. Okay. Different than mine. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not, I was not confident. I, I wrote it down and I said it differently than I wrote it down because I feel so unsure about it. Okay. I think you have to have Tubelis on there. You have to have Terrell Brown on there. Yeah. Tubelis is the best player on there. Uh, I think Michael Flowers has to be on there probably from Washington yeah, State. Yeah. I thought about it. I mean, he's a three-point specialist, but he's also really good at shooting three-pointers. I mean, he has the most attempts and the highest percentage. He's shooting almost 40% on 217 attempts. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I might put him instead of Drew Peterson. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I would do if I were you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where is Prince Gary A for you? Anywhere near this? I did not really even look at his stats, to be honest. Did he even play enough? A uh, did who play enough? Gary? He yeah. played a lot. He played some minutes. Let me look at his stats. 
Okay. Oh, no, I saw he was at 9.4 points. And I was like, nah, <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't yeah. watch enough of him. So the other name I was thinking about on this list would be uh, potentially like a Harrison Ingram from Stanford, but I don't think so. He's not good enough. Yeah. Just straight up. Yeah. I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. USC and UCLA are kind of weird players in this, in this all pack 12 team. Cause the best players have been hurt or just a Mowgli. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy with my list. That, that was my, that was my all pack 12 list. I think Batty deserves to be yeah. on the third team. Yeah. I think my third team would include Johnny Juzing, Tiger Campbell as legacy picks. And then if I bumped Drew Peterson, he'd go down to there. And then Kerr, Krissa. And then who am I missing? I, I oh, will refuse I, to ever put Kerr Kreese on any of these lists, no matter how good it gets. That is you my like no, no, but I here's the thing. Here's the thing. His whole persona is meant to not be liked. So I'm doing him a favor by saying oh. I think he's fun. No, he flops a lot. He draws a lot of charges. It's the worst. I don't know who my fifth was, so I'm just putting Andre Kelly. Okay. The homie. Uh, Do you have – so was your defense player of the year Coloco? Yes, it has to be. No other arguments. Um, Not your no, boy, Afe Abugini. I mean, Parquet didn't play a full year. That's what's killing it. Yeah. Parquet didn't play he a full year. He was my preseason pick. And he wouldn't want it, but got hurt. Uh, I like Abugini, but no. No, not him. Do you have a six man? I thought that this was very hard to pick. Uh, Would you put KJ Simpson on your ballot for six yeah, man? Yeah, he's in the running. He's in the running for freshman of the year, I think, too. I think so, but that also speaks to how bad this freshman class has been. Not great. It's not been great. (laughs) Peyton Watson has had maybe the worst season from a top 10 prospect in recent history. No. No, that's that's not true. Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Yeah, not at all. But he's, I mean, he's a bit player. He'll get better. Um, Yeah, I think it, I don't know. Six man is hard. I put Pal Larson for Arizona because I I didn't know who else to put. I didn't. I just straight. I don't know. He's good. Yeah, I don't know. Stanford. I I didn't put any Stanford players on any list. They 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 just weren't good enough. They're all kind of decent. There's no one that was blew my mind. You know. Yeah. Um. So do you, you don't have a six man pick, or are you just gonna roll with the Larson? I, I like Pella Larson. He was really good against CU. The only guy that did anything inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the Utah transfer. Um, freshman of the year? It's probably – are we counting COVID freshman? No, right? I'm not. Okay. If we aren't counting COVID it's, freshman – It's pretty stupid if we are. KJ is probably my pick. I haven't really watched enough from the other high-ranking prospects to say that they're anywhere near that good. Harrison Ingram would probably be – he up has there. the best raw stats. Yeah, Nate Biddle has not done anything for uh, – Who's Nate Biddle? Oh, Oregon. Yeah. I forgot. 
He was, I forgot he was supposed to be good. Uh, yeah, okay. And then last pick, because I know this might be dragging on, most improved player. Okay. Uh, Jalen Clark is probably my pick. But that might be a sleeper really? pick. I think he's amazing. I think he's UCLA's their best player right now. You could put him, I think, as sixth man. He might have started too many games. Uh, no, I think he's most improved. That makes sense to me. Ba, 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 ba. Maybe Eric Williams from Oregon, who's jumped up a lot this year. Terrell Brown is probably going to be the pick, but uh, I'll put Jalen Clark as my sixth man if you think so. Okay. Um, how how do you feel about Jabari Walker as sixth man? I mean, or as 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 most improved. I, I guess that's true. You can also probably do Mathurin or Walker. I would say um, not Mathurin. Uh, Coloco has a better argument than him. That's he jumped from – he was averaging five points for – five points, five rebounds, and now he's up to uh, 12 and seven with Yeah, the that's probably going to win it. He's taken a massive jump. And then I think Jabari, have you – I mean, his stats are nutty. I, Jabari has taken over the second half of this year. He's Yeah, crazy. because he's, he's exactly the same player as he was last year on the bench. He's just producing – at that same level as like that, that's, that's one of the hardest jumps you can do yep. is be a energy player who is efficient. Like anybody can do that. Maxi Kleba can do that. And then to do that as a starter against starters for more minutes, more responsibility. Um, yeah. In conference play, he's jumped up from eight points, four rebounds to 15 points, 10 rebounds. And uh, his turnovers and fouls have, kind of lowered as the season has gone by. I think he has a very good chance to win it. Yeah. I, and, well, frankly, just the way that he's been playing recently, uh, and if he continues to work on that, that's the real tourney key, I think, for CU, is that Jabari can just take over the Pac-12 tournament, a la Carlin Brown, maybe, from 2012. Just mm. being like, oh, I'm going to be the main guy, and I'm going to punk anyone in front of me for four days. A la Warith Alatisha. Or really over even to okay, okay, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to make fun of Morgan Slade again. Oh, Uh, they're so easy to make good for Wayne Tinkle getting that bag, bro. Yeah, he knew what he was doing going for that contract extension. That was never going to happen again. Let me check the old Ken Pop, see where they ended up. By the way, I say this all tongue in cheek as uh, Oregon State is my second team. So I can I'm allowed to make fun of them as yeah, much okay. as I want. Yeah, okay. How are the other Colorado teams doing? Speaking of second teams. Uh the women's team is solidly in the NCAA tournament after a great road trip. No, oh, road trip. oh okay. I, did, I I didn't mean it. I did, I meant I meant Colorado State as your second team, not that that the CU oh, women's okay. team is the second team. That that's okay. Because they're, they're better than our You team. said other. You didn't say second. But. Oh, whatever. I, um, whatever. CSU men's basketball got a nice road win against Utah State. They're solidly in the tournament. Mountain West is really good this year, and they are part of that. Um, and I'm trying to think. Air Force is still bad. DU is still bad. I don't know. There's the other. There's uh, the Daily Coops. 
Yeah, Dalen Koontz. Where's my, really my Dalen Koontz update? I think he's up past. And then the, the women's team, yeah, you're right. They, they are solidly in the NCAA tournament. They are also going to be a four or a five seed. Yeah, Dalen Koontz is at 20 points, four rebounds, three assists. He's balling out. Yeah, Maya Hollingshed got all pack 12, and I believe Quay Miller got all pack 12 for like six man consideration. Oh, good. good. Um, oh, she should have been six woman of the year. She's so good. Yes. And I, I, I don't really follow Pac-12 women's basketball, but I knew who she was. And I was so excited because she fits them so well. Yep. Six foot three shooting center. And she can pass it a bit. Oh my God. And she has a buzz cut. So I, obviously, um, did Jalen Sherrod make all defense? I did not see the all defensive. Oh, she's averaging like over three steals a game. Which yeah, is crazy. and then they've turned it on against the best teams down the stretch, which is good because they were in a weird morass like halfway through the conference play. So they've they swept the LA yeah. schools on the road, which I don't think it ever happened before, and they closed out at home. Um, I don't know. They did well down the stretch, which is what you need to do. Uh, I think I'm all out. Yeah, I'm all out. Uh, Vic Soto Oto left, and we can say goodbye. I miss him still. He was, he was the best hire, so you made this offseason. Went back to Cal to coach Cal's office on linebackers. So I'm not looking forward to football season. I'm still riding this basketball season high. Don't take that from me. Yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> I don't think I can follow the Jewish football team. Yeah. Um, okay, bye, Jack. See ya. Boss!